Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Could Jimmy Garoppolo be headed to a division rival? What player could swing the pennant race on the Major League Baseball trade market? And could Sidney Crosby's right-hand man be moving on to greener ice? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. With the quarterback carousel coming to a slow halt here with Baker Mayfield headed to Carolina, all attention points to Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. What happens with him? We talked to our Locked On 49ers host yesterday. Now reports are that the Seattle Seahawks, their division rivals, have been doing some work on just what it could look like if Jimmy G were to be able to come to Seattle. Joining me now from Locked On Seahawks, Corbin Smith. And Corbin, um, the, the reports are that there has been internal discussions, that they've watched the tape. How likely do you think it is that they actually I- engage in trade talks with San Francisco for a player like Jimmy G? I think in terms of engaging in trade talks, I'd go less than 1%. I think that John Schneider and Pete Carroll are doing what they always do. They are always going to make sure that every stone is turned over. They're going to look into everything. And they know Jimmy Garoppolo well. They face him twice a year. Quite frankly, he's played his worst football most of the time against the Seahawks. His career numbers against other teams have been a lot better. They've had a lot of success against Jimmy G. But they know him well. They know he's a competitor. They know that he's got a 33-13 and 13 record as a starting quarterback. They know that he can command an offense, and he's played in an offense similar to the one that Shane Waldron runs. But he's got that $25-plus million salary cap hit. The 49ers are not going to want to trade him within division. I know there's precedent there, but John Lynch is not going to be jumping to want to do that, even if that's the only team that he has out there. Maybe that would necessitate a move, but I just can't see the Seahawks. They're too smart. John Schneider's too smart right now to be like, you know what? I'm going to rush into a trade for a guy coming off of right shoulder surgery that's got this big contract. If he gets cut, then we have a much different discussion, but I don't see any way a trade happens here. Okay, well, tell me how different if a cut happens because we had Brian Peacock on yesterday. He was talking about the injury guarantees. If Jimmy Garoppolo can, in fact, pass his physical, then the money that is guaranteed for injury That comes off the books when and if the 49ers decide to release Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers get the advantage of all of that money off their books. And then a team like Seattle can just say, all right, we'll give you a new contract and you don't have to worry about that 20 plus $25 million deal that he currently has. So how does that change the calculation here for Seattle if he gets released? I think that it definitely sets the table for them to make a move there, but I'm still hesitant to say that I think there's a strong possibility he would be in Seattle, even if they cut him, because I thought all along Baker Mayfield, things were pointing towards the Seahawks making a move on that front, and ultimately, they weren't even willing to do what the Panthers did to get Baker Mayfield. It seems like Pete Carroll and John Schneider have put all their dice and all their chips into one corner and said, you know what, we're going to try this with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, and we're going to see what happens. Now, maybe Garoppolo being released would change that because there's familiarity there, but he doesn't have the downfield passing ability 
that either one of the quarterbacks the Seahawks have on the roster right now have. He's got some advantages over Smith and Locke. There's no question about it. But I just don't know with what they want to do offensively that it even is a good fit. I personally thought Baker Mayfield was a better fit from a skill set perspective for what they want to do on offense. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. I just see that this is a long shot to happen, even if they cut him. Corbin and co-host Rob Rang will give you the day-to-day updates on the next quarterback of the Seahawks. If there is, in fact, a next quarterback, he may already be on the roster. You can find Locked on Seahawks everywhere you get podcasts, including the Odyssey app. Thanks for making Locked on Sports today your first listen. Coming up, two pitchers could help shape the Major League Baseball playoff picture this trade deadline. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Tuesday's slate of games presents some fun opportunities. The Tampa Bay Rays have been ravaged by injury and now are home underdogs to the Boston Red Sox. Bet Online has the Rays money line plus 106. The Colorado Rockies are home dogs against the San Diego Padres. Bet Online has the Rockies plus 116 to win. And Garrett Cole's New York Yankees host the Cincinnati Reds, and they're the largest favorites of the night. Bet Online has the Yankees' money line at minus 280. Goodness gracious, Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today Heinzfield, no more. The Pittsburgh Steelers announced on Monday that their home stadium will now be known as a Kreiser Stadium. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right because I don't know what that company is. Has anyone heard of that company? The Steelers signed a 15-year agreement with the Michigan-based insurance broker. That's why no one's heard of it. As their 20-year agreement with the Kraft Heinz company ended after last season. Steelers president Art Rooney II voiced his confidence earlier this year that the stadium name would go unchanged. But then no contract extension materialized. This is devastating for the hardcore catch-up fans out there like, like Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he, maybe he won't win in Pittsburgh anymore. The Orlando Magic have seen all they need to see of Paolo Bancaro in the NBA Summer League. The Magic announced they were shutting the number one overall pick down for the rest of the summer slate so they could focus on their other fringe candidates for a roster spot. Bancaro averaged 20 points, six assists, and five rebounds in his pair of contests. Magic coach Jamal Mosley said they're giving some other guys a shot to prove they can play and that they've seen all they need to see of Bancaro. The U.S. Department of Justice has opened an investigation into the PGA Tour's handling of golfers defecting to the Live Invitational Series. Yet another twist and turn in what has been already an incredibly winding road between these two rival leagues. The investigation is aimed at whether the PGA Tour engaged in anti-competitive behavior with regard to the Saudi-backed circuit. Specifically, the DOJ is looking into whether the PGA, DP World Tour, and other governing bodies of the major tournaments are conspiring to not award official world golf rankings to live players. In a letter to PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan from Live CEO Greg Norman, he wrote, When you try to bluff and intimidate players by bullying and threatening them, you are guilty of going too far, being unfair, and you likely are in violation of federal law. This competition is just getting started, and we're not just talking about competing for players and competing on the course. This is going to get spicy. And the Pirates entered yesterday's game without two of their best bats. 
They didn't need them, though, as their pitching shut down the Marlins. Well, the Pittsburgh Pirates have won three out of their last four games as they go into Miami to begin the four-game set, winning against the Miami Marlins 5-1 to one behind the phenomenal outing from Mitch Keller, who continues to bring his ERA down. He's below five now, but with the way he's been pitching lately, you wouldn't even know he was that high. Seven innings, five Ks, only five hits, one earned run, and then Chase DeYoung and Yuri De Los Santos come on to finish the job. Michael Chavis, Kevin Newman has a big day, uh, by the way, three for five. Diego Castillo with two RBIs. Jake Marisnik, who comes up for the injured Brian Reynolds with two RBIs and two runs in this game. Just an overall good game. Even Jason DeLay gets in on the action. Key Brian Hayes gets a hit. Just an overall good game for the Pittsburgh Pirates to start this four-game set as we're closing in on All-Star Week. The Pirates, 37-50 and 50 now. At this point, you really got to like just continue to move forward and maybe go into the All-Star break hot and see what happens when you come back out. But the Pirates went 5-1 to one in Miami. You can raise the Jolly Roger in Miami, Florida. And on tomorrow's episode, me and Peter Pratt will be recapping the actions of tonight as well as previewing the rest of the series in Miami. Here is another story you need to know. The NBA, not the only league trying to make moves right now. Major League Baseball in the midst of trade deadline mania. Teams trying to get into the mix. Some teams trying to get out of the mix. That's just the nature of the beast in these things. The buyers and sellers markets. Joining me now from Locked on Reds, because the Reds have plenty of players uh, that might be on the move and a team that is not on the move. Jeff Carr and Jeff, who is the prize of trade deadline mania? Well, it's going to sound super biased because he comes from the Reds, but it's Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo has Cy Young stuff. He has the kind of pitching arsenal that can get your team over the hump, whether you're talking about a good pitching team already in one of the New York teams like the Mets or the Yankees, or if you're looking at the Dodgers who may have thought preseason that they were the best roster in the National League and now we're looking across the way at the Mets and like, hmm, what do we need to get over the hump? Luis Castillo is that guy. So you mentioned some title contenders, and this is usually the kind of pairing that we're looking for. Okay, take the great player and put him on the contending team. But some of these teams, for example, the Yankees, do they really need help to be the favorites to win the title? I mean, if if they get a really good player, I don't know if that's going to swing things that much because they were the heavy favorites already in the National League. I think that's the, the same is true for, say, the Mets or the Dodgers, especially in the case of the Dodgers, who probably have the most talent of any team in the NL. What is the player-team pairing that you think is at least reasonably plausible that could most swing the chances of either a pennant or a, a World Series title? I think it is a trade that is currently not likely. It is Brian Reynolds from the Pittsburgh Pirates going to the New York Yankees. Now, the Yankees themselves have not necessarily been connected with Reynolds at this moment, but they are looking for a reason to be able to play Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge at the DH spot every other day or every third day to give them as much rest as possible 
during the second half of the season because let's face it the Yankees are going to the playoffs. I don't know that we really need to wait for them to officially clinch that playoff berth. So they need to be building for October right now. And the best way to do that is to just further solidify that outfield. And Brian Reynolds does it all, whether with the bat or with the glove or on the base pass, dude can do it all. The only thing is he still has three years of control left for the Pirates. So any package may have to include guys like Anthony Volpe, who are players that the Yankees are not trying to get rid of right now, which is why I say as impactful as this move may be, it's unlikely. Is there a move that you could see a, a second tier or even third tier team making where you go, okay, if they can do this, if they can pull this off all of a sudden they become really in the conversation. I'm thinking about teams like the Brewers thinking about teams like the Cardinals thinking about the teams like the Red Sox who have been known to pull off some big moves here that, that they could make. And you go, Oh, now we really need to start looking at them and taking them seriously in these American league or national league races. Well, the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to both be in the same sweepstakes, I think. And that's for the other pitcher that's going to move the needle. There's two pitchers this trade deadline season that are going to shift the balance of power for this playoff race in both leagues, whether you're talking about the National League or the American League. And since the Reds are not likely to trade their ace to their division rivals, they're looking at Frankie Montes from the Oakland A's. Frankie Montes currently on the injured list right now with some shoulder issues, but they're saying that it's not major. It's just something he might miss a start or two, and he'll be back, and he'll be fine. He is the second-best pitcher available on the market right now, and for my money, the second-best player overall that is available. There's some other guys that are, are clouding some people's judgment, but when you look at the positions on the field, the pitcher has the most impact when you're talking about a game-by-game basis. So you want to have the best staff sure. available. The Brewers have had a lot of injuries in that area that they've had to play around. The Cardinals have had some underperforming guys that they were hoping were going to get them over that hump. Frankie Montas could really bolster rotations that need it at the top of the NL Central because the Brewers and the Cardinals are not only going to be in a dogfight against each other, they're going to have to figure out how on earth they pair up with the Dodgers and the Mets because right now they're kind of a couple of steps behind those two teams. Jeff and co-host Stephen Offenbaker will be all over the potential Luis Castillo trade and other moves the Reds could make. You can catch Locked on Reds everywhere you get podcasts, including Odyssey. Coming up, Sidney Crosby may be losing his right-hand man. The Pittsburgh Penguins have been perennial playoff contenders because of the roster's longevity and because of two guys, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Now it seems Malkin may be moving on. Locked on NHL's Ross Levitan and Mike DiStefano have some thoughts. 36-year-old Evgeny Malkin. Now, I lead with his age and the fact that he's coming off knee surgery, but he's also still a guy who put up 42 points in 41 games last year. Mike, what kind of contract do you think he gets, whether he finalized a deal last minute with Ron Hextall and Brian Burke and stays in the only NHL city he's ever known in Pittsburgh, or if he hits the open market? Well, it does look like he's hitting the open market. Uh, Darren Dreger just tweeting it out here. And I'm... I'm, I am curious what it's going to get. It sounds as though they're issuing something around four years term in and around the $6 million mark was the contract that I had heard that they were giving out Malkin. And wow. I don't know why that's not enough, but it sounds like it's not. 
And I'll be curious to see if anybody can beat that, both in term and dollars. Because, I mean, for someone who's 35 years old, you might not want to give him too, too much term. He's going to be 31, or he's going to be 36 at the end of the month. You're not going to want to give someone who's going to be 36 by the start of the league year an extra four years. I and mean, it takes you to your 40. If you give him seven, eight million dollars, that's going to be tough in those last couple of years if it does fall off for this guy. So I'd be surprised, man. I would imagine Pittsburgh might try and circle back if, if the numbers aren't coming in, but we know how the game works. He knows what's out on the market, who's willing to give him you know, top, top dollar. Perhaps the reason why uh, Washington didn't tender Ilya wow. open up a little bit of space to bring in a Geno Malkin with Nick Backstrom on the IR, perhaps. A little Geno Ovi show in, oh my God. in the Capitol. I think that'd be a real interesting spot for for uh, for Geno Malkin, but yeah, I, I honestly, it's gonna be so weird to see him in a different uniform if he does end up jumping ship, which probably likely, to be quite honest with you. You want great players, especially, to be loyal to their teammates, to be loyal to their families. You hope, as a fan, that they want to stay in the situations where you can continue to cheer for them as voraciously as you have for years. And sometimes the players are role players. Some of the most celebrated players in any fan base, and I'm sure if you think of your fan base, whether it's a baseball team, a football team, a basketball team, whatever it is, there are non-great players that you absolutely love because of what they did for your team and potentially they were not able to get that opportunity in the current climate because, well, everyone just moves all the time. That's just the way that it is. We've seen this in college basketball. We lose touch with the players because they're there for one season, maybe two. Now players are eschewing college basketball altogether. I hope we can find a balance where fans, where teams, where players can find that nice, even water level where you can be a celebrated teammate, forge that bonds with fans and be in one place for a long time because it's the best thing for you. It's the best thing for the team and the fans are happy to have you. That's the ideal situation. Of course, not every player, not every team, and not every fan base is going to be lucky enough to have a lot of those players, a lot of those situations over the course of a period of time. I just think of these situations when great players, when iconic players potentially move on from teams, especially in a situation where you have a rabid fan base in Pittsburgh that loves the Penguins, that could be potentially losing a player that they've been cheering for for years that they love that may no longer be very soon and that's a sad thing in sports and finally who's keeping score anyway this was absolutely craziness in a summer league matchup of the bucks and celtics a replay review revealed a bucket needed to be taken off the scoreboard no big deal right well, with 11 seconds left in the game, the officials then ruled the points be put back on the scoreboard. It flip-flopped the Bucks and Celtics lead. The Bucks were leading by a point, and they 
flipped to be trailing by a point, fundamentally changing the complexion of the game. I know Summer League isn't important, but good gracious, if the NBA wants to show that they have competent officials, ugh, this is not the way to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Tuesday, we dive into why the Magic are feeling so confident in two Summer League games from Paolo Bancaro. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.